You're listening to the Business in Morocco podcast, the podcast that discusses all things business and all things Morocco. My name is Ryan Mimone, and I'm here with my co-host, Ryan Kirk, and our goal is to share our knowledge and experiences in order to help you gain wisdom, skills, and habits that can help you succeed in business and in life. You can learn more about us by going to our website, moroccopodcast.com. All right, let's get started with today's episode. It's going to be a lovely day. All right, welcome back to the Business in Morocco podcast. This week we are talking about habits one and two of the seven habits of highly effective people. Being proactive and beginning with the end in mind. That's coming up, but let's just start with an update. Ryan, where in the world are you? How's the week going? Hey Ryan, things are going well. We've moved on from Chicago. We are now in Ohio visiting some family members. And we had an interesting night last night. There were tornadoes that ripped through Indiana and Ohio and actually destroyed quite a few houses and buildings. And it missed us by, I don't know, 15, 20 miles. So that was interesting. I saw lightning that went on for probably 20 minutes without stopping. Wow. Which was pretty intense. So... Yeah, it's been a good time just to reconnect with family members and have a little bit of relaxation. Later in the week, we're going to drive from Ohio to Kentucky, where we'll visit my brother and his family. So things are going well. Still continue to work. Um, I actually recently developed a LinkedIn marketing campaign for one of my clients. Uh, The goal will be to acquire new customers. So I had him write three articles that demonstrate his knowledge and proficiency in his area of expertise. And we are going to run ads to those three landing pages on his website. And we'll be able to do what's called A-B testing, but in this case it will be A-B-C testing. Nice. We will be testing three ads and three different landing pages to see which one is the most effective. And then likely what I'll do is turn off the other two ads and pour the rest of the money into the one ad that's most effective. And he's in a pretty good situation. When he gets a client, his average his average revenue per client is between fifteen thousand and fifty thousand US dollars. So we have some good margin to work with when it comes to acquiring a new client. Yeah, I'll say. It's one of the most important things to think about when you are doing your customer acquisition cost analysis. How much does it cost me to acquire a new customer and what is my expected revenue from acquiring that new customer? Do you have a rule of thumb that you use, like a certain percentage of your profit per customer that you'd be willing to spend acquiring them? I have my own analysis on what I'd like a customer to cost. I want to pay maybe five or ten percent of my expected revenue okay now that's because i'm often working in areas that are a little bit more uncertain however there are companies out there that will spend up to a third of the expected revenue yeah that's what i've heard i've heard 30 percent as 
a rule of thumb. I think that that's when you have a bit more mature company. Mm-hmm. You've really developed your customer value proposition. You've developed your product offering, your marketing funnel. You have a team in place. You've been able to scale your business so that you have good processes, good people, good products and services. Once you have a very firm grasp on all of that, being willing to spend 30% of your expected revenue on acquiring new customer, it makes sense. Yeah. Because you have a good history of work experience and good knowledge on on what it will look like to acquire that customer and how much work you're going to have to do for them. Yeah. When I'm pitching a new client or I'm developing a new marketing campaign, I want that cost to be significantly lower. If this particular campaign works, then we will double down on it and be willing to spend more to acquire a new customer because the expected revenue is is really high. And why did you choose LinkedIn for this campaign? So this particular client is involved in business services and consulting, specifically helping small business owners sell their business. Okay. So he often negotiates not only an hourly rate, but also a a percentage of the sale, a commission on the sale. Right. So many of the clients that he takes, they have fairly substantial businesses, sometimes millions of dollars in revenue. And that's why his expected uh, billable hours and commission can be in the tens of thousands of dollars. Mm-hmm. And the reason we use LinkedIn is it's very easy to target people in this very specific demographic. Yeah. People who have labeled themselves on LinkedIn as a business owner, as a business manager, as a CEO, as a CFO, they're self-described. And so you can target them and you can also target their interests or their geographical location or their type of industry. And in my mind, it was very easy to create a target audience for this marketing campaign that was very specific to the type of client that we're looking for. You can also narrow the audience by age or by gender or by education or work experience. So in that sense, we were able to remove a lot of people from the audience that will probably not be interested or not be appropriate for the content marketing. I see. Yeah. Well, that's good, man. You'll have to keep us updated on how the campaign goes. Yeah, I will. And I actually will probably write a LinkedIn post on how this goes and and share it on LinkedIn. So if people want to find you on LinkedIn, what do they search for? Search my name, Ryan Mamone. Go to our about page on moroccopodcast.com and you'll have links there to our LinkedIn profiles. Perfect. What about you? What's going on? Yeah, it's been a good week. 
Uh, I've had several meetings preparing for training workshops and team buildings I'm doing in June. So June is going to be a very full and busy month and May has felt like a lot of setup for that. So what I need to do is make sure I'm doing some deep work and preparing all those seminars and, and all those team buildings so that June isn't overwhelming. So while my schedule looks a little quieter now, I need to recognize that this is the calm before the storm and put some time in at my computer, at my desk, getting prepared and ready so it's, it's not too daunting when things get a lot busier. I also visited a university in Tangier last month and gave a, a lecture. I was a keynote speaker at an event they did and I posted that on my YouTube channel. It's called The Five Steps to Success. And it was just advice that I was giving to the, the audience, which was you know a couple hundred university students, engineers. And that's been really well received. I've, I've been, been happy with uh, the feedback and I think it's useful stuff. I'm really happy with the talk, I'm proud of it. And so if, if you're a, a young person that hasn't yet seen that video, make sure you check it out at Moroc Treasure. All right, well, why don't we get into our subject for the week? We're going to be talking about being proactive and beginning with the end in mind. Now, for those of you don't, who don't know, um, Dr. Stephen Covey was an American professor who wrote a book in 1989 called The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And I think he was like 59 years old or something when he published the book. And so it was really like a his life's work. And he, he summarized these principles that he believed were relevant to not just American culture, not just the business world, but to people around the world in all stages of life. And I think the fact that the book is still being talked about, still being taught, it stood the test of time, um, is a testimony to the fact that, that he's right, that these are principles of effectiveness that we can all learn from. Now, both of the first two are really, really important, and I've seen their relevance and the need for their understanding here in Morocco. So let's start with being proactive. Ryan, you had a good definition of what that looks like. Do you want to share that? Sure. I got this from Wikipedia. Proactivity or proactive behavior by individuals refers to anticipatory, change-oriented, and self-initiated behavior in situations. Yeah, that's really good. One of the things that I do in preparing for the team buildings that I lead is I meet with the directors of departments and a common complaint that I hear from them is a lack of proactivity on their team. They get very frustrated by the people that work for them that are willing to do whatever they're asked. They're great at following instructions and getting the job done, meeting the requirements of their job description, but they don't take initiative. They're not proactive. They don't look at problems that exist and come up with solutions on their own. They don't come to their boss and say, hey, I was thinking about this idea or I've got a new project I'd like to pitch you. They simply busy themselves with the specific instructions that they're given to do 
And bosses don't want to micromanage. They don't want to babysit. They want to see people using their initiative, taking responsibility, taking ownership. That's a phrase I often hear. Take ownership, take responsibility, and be proactive. Make stuff happen. That's really where you can distinguish yourself in your career and stand out from the crowd. Yeah, that's that's a great point. When we talk about proactivity and the definition I read, anticipatory, change-oriented, and self-initiated behavior, the definition of anticipatory means doing something before you are told or directed to do it. Anticipating a need or anticipating a problem and taking action to either prevent it or solve it. If you want to move up in your organization or you want to become a business manager or a business owner, you can't sit around and wait for other people to tell you what to do. And if you're wondering why you haven't been promoted or you haven't been given more responsibility, it may be because you are always waiting to be told what to do. And if you anticipate problems, you anticipate issues, and you work to solve them without being told, then that's one of the ways to be proactive. The other definition here being change-oriented, meaning an essential element of being proactive is being effective and causing change. It's not doing busy work. It's not pretending to do work or just looking busy. It's actually causing positive change on your team or in your organization. And the last one is self-initiated, which has to do with anticipatory. You're the one causing the change. You're the one seeing the problem. You're the one taking action. You're the one determining the solution. Now, every work environment is different, and you may have managers or coworkers who are more or less open to the idea of you taking on problems and solving them by yourself. But you can be proactive in any organization. For example, let's say that your boss is somewhat of a micromanager. You can identify a problem to your boss and suggest a solution. And oftentimes, bosses will appreciate that. Not just that you're complaining or that you're telling them about a problem, but that you are identifying a problem and offering a solution. And there'll be times where you're told no, but if you keep doing it, you will likely be given opportunities to to take on more responsibility and move up in the organization. Yeah, that's right. This episode is brought to you by London Academy. London Academy Casablanca is a trilingual smart school that provides an enhanced education through the Moroccan and international English language curriculum. Their innovative educational approach based on advanced information technology, sports, critical thinking, together with the international experience of their qualified teachers, enables their students to be prepared for the skills needed in the 21st century. London Academy says, we are the future, and these aren't just words painted on a wall. 
I've seen their students learning to program, building robots, developing problem-solving skills. There's a definite focus on IT and preparing students to succeed in the information age. London Academy, the first smart school in Morocco where learning is serious fun. Now back to the show. And being proactive, we've been focusing on what it looks like in your career, but really this is a principle that extends to all areas of your life, taking responsibility. So you think about your relationships, it can be very easy to identify changes we'd like to see in other people. You know, ways we wish people treated us or we wish they understood more or ways we'd like those around us to change. However, we do not control the actions and the behaviors of others. We only get to choose how we act and behave. Now, those behaviors may influence those around us. They may not. They have freedom to choose how they respond to how we act. But it's up to us to take control and responsibility for how we act, to be proactive. So if you're not happy with something in your life, rather than focusing on the things that we don't control, might be the economic situation in our country, it might be the government and their policies or laws that exist, it might be uh, limitations in the way that God has created us. You know, you would have designed yourself differently if you were God. Well, we don't get to make those kinds of decisions. And so in those cases, there's no value in mourning and complaining or grieving those things or focusing our attention on them and wishing it was different. We need to put our time and attention onto what we do control and the areas that we can influence. And that gives us practical steps. That gives us actions we can take to change the future. Absolutely. And one of the things that prevents a lot of us from taking this kind of action is peer pressure or a cultural understanding of what is appropriate in a given situation. If the most important thing that you're worried about is what your coworkers or other people in your organization will think about you if you try to be proactive and you look for problems to solve and you try to be helpful and you try to learn something new every day and make things happen. If you're worried that people will criticize you for doing things that aren't your job or for uh, being what is known as a suck-up to the boss, uh, then you'll just stay where you are. If that's the most important thing to you is your reputation among your peers, and the most important thing to you is not being criticized for, for doing things that people don't think you need to do, then you'll stay right where you are. But by definition, as you move up the organization, you will be exceptional. You will be different because every organization is in a pyramid. And the, as you go higher and higher, the number of people gets fewer and fewer. And the criteria for being one of those people, it gets more strict and more intense. If you want to be promoted, if you want more responsibility, if you want to have a higher salary, and a better job, you must be proactive. You, you will not find managers of hotels and managers of large organizations, decision makers, people with high salaries and nice cars. 
you will not find people who for their entire career just waited to be told what to do. You're just not going to find them. That's not who gets promoted. That's not who leads organizations. And it's not the type of person that uh, starts a successful business. Yeah. So when you think about your larger mindset in life, some people view things as just the will of God and that it's been faded, it's been decided, and they have no control. What is meant to happen is going to happen. And so there's no real reason to, to take initiative and to take ownership. And they wash away all responsibility. And they just kind of go with, with the flow and, and see what happens. And the good things are gifts from God and the, the bad things, those are things you complain about. But it just completely eliminates action. It completely eliminates the initiative required to change things in the future. Others blame their circumstances and they consider themselves a product of their environment. And so the type of home they grew up in, the family situation that they've had, the education that they've received, maybe other unfortunate circumstances, tragedies, um, health issues that you've encountered, and they just blame their environment and they say they are the way they are because of how they were raised or because of the type of neighborhood or the culture or where they were born. But being proactive requires you to look at the world a very different way and to recognize that you are where you are because of your choices. Now this is particularly true the further and further you enter into adulthood. So I recognize that my kids don't have a lot of freedom to make choices. Right now, my wife and I are really shaping and influencing the direction that their life goes. They can't make those kinds of choices. Right now, they very much are a product of their environment and their upbringing. However, the further you get from the age of 18 or at whatever point you, you get to have some freedom to choose, your future is more and more shaped by your choices. And if you say, well, no, you need a good education, you can find examples of people who didn't have a good education but completely transformed their life. Or, oh, you need to come from a rich family or a happy household. Again, you can find examples of people who defy those odds. And so your excuses just don't hold up. In order to be proactive, you've got to recognize that your future is a product of your choices. And that transitions very well into the next step, step number two, begin with the end in mind. If your end is a result of the choices you make over time, then the choices you make are very important. And I know that in Morocco, there's a, a very common saying, inshallah. If I say to someone, I'll see you next week, they'll say inshallah. And as you said, Ryan, there is a mentality that everything that happens in life is God's will. And while I agree that God has a will, and that it is important uh, to think about God's will for our lives. I think that everyone who says inshallah for everything, they know inherently that it's not true. And the best example I have is think about the farmer. If the farmer went out to his field and just looked at his field and said, and now watermelons shall grow according to the will of God. And he just stood there and he watched his field day after day, week after week, month after month, and no watermelons appeared. And he said, okay, I guess it was, inshallah, it was the will of God that no watermelons appeared. But everyone knows that the way you get watermelons to appear is to plow the field, 
to till the soil and to plant the seeds. And anyone who has an expectation of watermelons appearing in a field without having planted seeds, that person is just crazy. So even with God's will, we know from the very basic example of the farmer that we are supposed to do work, that outcomes in many cases are determined by the work that we do, whether it's planting seeds in a field or studying at a university or taking online classes or doing an internship, an apprenticeship, learning a new language, all of these things will impact what we are capable of doing and they will impact our future. And just like the farmer in the field who plants the seeds, the watermelons don't show up the next day. He's planting the seeds with the end in mind. He's plowing the field with the end in mind. He's delaying his gratification. He's working the field, planting the seeds, watering the field, so that he will have a harvest in the end. Yeah, and to build on your example, Ryan, we don't control the weather. You know, it's, it is God who determines, is this going to be a flood year? Or is this going to be a drought year? But we are able to react we're able to take actions based on the environment that we find ourselves in so if it's not raining a whole lot well then i can go and water my field more i can dig a deep well or i can choose to locate my field next to a a water source i can plant crops that don't require as as much water as others i have options i have choices um But to just fixate on the fact that, oh, it's the will of God, uh, negates my own responsibility. Exactly. And when you talk about beginning with the end in mind, it is essential to take responsibility for your own outcomes, to take ownership. If you aren't taking ownership for your life and where you are, then you will be stuck where you are because you are the only one who can affect change in your life. No one is going to walk up to you off the street and hand you a high paying job. You have to earn it. And that's true for Morocco or Europe and it's true for the United States. This idea that if I move to the United States and when I get off the plane, someone's going to pick me up in a limousine and take me to this high paying job It's just a fantasy. No matter where you are in the world, you have to earn it. You have to be proactive and you have to take the steps along the way that will create the results that you desire. Yeah, I had a guy contact me recently that's struggling to find a job and he's worked overseas in the finance and banking industry but since he returned to morocco he hasn't been able to land a position with a company here and the excuse he gave me or the reason he gave me is that companies really prefer to hire new graduates i guess he believes that you know companies like to start with a blank slate and be able to train them from the ground up but i find the opposite excuse being presented to me from new grads who say, oh, companies want people with experience. And so you have one guy over here saying, I wish I was a new grad. That's what companies really want. And then you got another guy on the other side saying, I wish I had a couple of years experience. I wish I'd worked with a bank abroad. 
then I could really land a position. And both of them aren't recognizing the advantages of their position and they're using what they lack and what they don't control as an excuse for their lack of action. So I'm actually gonna meet with this guy um, this coming week to do a little consultation and see if I can't can help him with his mindset and maybe some practical tips to land a position. I'll have to update you on how that goes. That's a great example, Ryan. And if there is one takeaway for our listeners from this episode is that you may be a victim of circumstance or a victim of the actions of others or the victim of bad policies from a government. That may be true, but it doesn't matter because you're the only one that can fix it. And two of the best ways to fix it is to be proactive and to make choices with the end in mind. You've been listening to the Business in Morocco podcast. My name is Ryan Kirk, here with my co-host, Ryan Maimon. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe and leave us a five-star review on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Download our entire library of podcasts on our website, moroccopodcast.com, where you'll also find extra resources related to each episode in the show notes, including a transcript of the show. If you've got a question or topic you think we should cover on the podcast, fill out the form on moroccopodcast.com or email us at ryan at moroccopodcast.com and we'll give you a shout out on the show. Our theme music is Lovely Day by Bill Withers, used under Creative Commons, and we hope you'll have a lovely day doing business in Morocco. We'll see you next time. Yeah, yeah, yeah.